Welcome back for the conclusion of Pastor Tim's Holy Week message from Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, entitled, Pictures in the Passover. When we say that the Old Testament prophecies picture for us what God will perform in the New Testament, that statement is no truer than when we look at the Passover. It is an Old Testament feast filled, filled with New Testament truth. We get to see God's provision of salvation in pictures. Here's Pastor Tim. Let's keep going. Number two. Believe it or not, it gets better. Number two. The blood is a picture of our bill. The blood is a picture of our bill. The blood is an important sign. In verse number 13, he says, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on those houses where you are. And we'll get to that one in just a minute. But it's a sign. It's an important sign. It's a sign of God's mercy. It's a sign of how the means by which our sins can be cleansed. We have a bill, don't we? We have a bill that has to be paid. Wages for our sin. The wages of sin is death. And it's a blood payment that's required by God. The writer of Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There's not any. So maybe you think that maybe you have a better idea either about these lambs or about the Lord or, you know, how he might be able to die for our sins and not have to die so violently, not have to shed so much blood. Sorry, it just didn't work that way. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And yet the Lamb of God shed his blood for us. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, it's not with the blood of goats and of calves, but with his own precious blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, Cleanse your conscience from good works to serve the living God. Whew. I keep, keep remembering what Peter wrote in that passage that we've mentioned so many times. We're not redeemed by money or by stuff or even by religious tradition. But he said, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And Paul was preaching to the Ephesians. He told them that he purchased it. He purchased the church with his own blood. All right, look at verse number 7. In verse number 7 here in Exodus chapter number 12, it describes for us what the family is supposed to do. When they kill the lamb at, at twilight, what are they supposed to do next? It says, And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. In fact, skip our mind goes right across the right across the uh, column in my Bible. To verse number twenty-two. He's a little bit more specific there. Look at what he says in verse twenty-two. He says, "You shall take a bunch of hyssop." A hyssop is a plant that grows there. You can think of it as a as a large Q-tip or or maybe a paintbrush. All right. 
So he says, take the hyssop, dip it in the blood that's in the basin, the blood that has been drained from this lamb, and strike or paint the lintel, the top of the doorframe, and the two doorposts on the side with the blood that's in the basin. So you get the picture, right? You take the blood, or take the hyssop and you dip it in the blood, and they paint it across the top, and they paint it, paint it down both sides. You ever wondered why they don't paint the bottom? You know, I mean, I, I, I just think that way. It's like leaving an empty blank almost. I mean, why, why not? Let's just complete the whole circle, right? If you're thinking along those lines, jot this verse down. It's Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 29. The Bible says, of how, much, of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace? To get into the house, to get in the place of safety, to get into this picture of salvation... You got to go through the blood. But we don't dare trample the blood of the Son of God. But we're going through. And notice what happens when you do go through. Look at the end of verse number 22. He says, And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. Once you're in, you stay in, right? It reminds me of Jesus saying on the cross, It is finished. Sin debt of the world has been paid in full. The blood is a picture of our bill. Thirdly, the supper is a picture of our salvation. For most people, the Passover highlight is the meal itself. And the rest of our verses tonight that we're going to look at deal with the eating of the lamb. And each verse opens with a phrase about how they are supposed to eat it. So we pick up in verse number 8. He says, Then they shall eat the flesh on that night. So you eat it suddenly. You eat it suddenly. It's to be eaten that night. You don't put it off. You don't, you don't wait until, well, I'm just not really hungry right now. No, you eat it that night very night. You don't set your own terms. You don't wait until it's convenient. Instead, think about this for a moment. Back in chapter number three is where God first called on Moses and told him what to do and that he would deliver those people. He speaks to him, do you recall at first, out of a burning bush. What did Moses do? He took his shoes off first, right? Because he recognizes the voice of God. When God speaks... You recognize his voice. And he takes off his shoes because where God is is holy. It's not a holy place necessarily without the presence of God. But because God is there, Moses is listening. The way that Moses responds to the voice of God is critical. You remember how he responded? He responded like I responded. He responded like many of you have responded. Oh, God, I can't do that. God, I, I don't talk plain. <laughs> I, I can't get up in front of people. I can't do this and I can't do that. He kept going on and God kept calling him to do. 
All of those things that Moses did in putting off what God was calling him to limited Moses for the rest of his life. Suddenly going into Egypt, it's not just Moses, is it? Now he's got to carry Aaron with him because Moses just won't do it by himself. Instead, we're to be more like Samuel. Remember Samuel, when he finally got taught what to say, he heard the voice of God. When he understood and knew this is God's voice, he simply was to say, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening and following obedience. When I hear from God, I am to act immediately. I'm to act right then in that moment, to act suddenly, if you will, the way that we see them eating this meal on that particular night. What you do in response to the voice of God is critical for the rest of your life. That's why Paul says, behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. You don't get to put it off. Number two, you eat it symbolically. Symbolically. As we, as we get into verse number 8 and down into verse number 9, there are three different sets of directions about how they're supposed to eat it. Look what he says first. First, you're to roast it in the fire. All right, so we talked about already about how they do that. Why roasting in the fire? You know, he makes, he, he makes this such a critical point that he repeats those directions in verse number 9. And he keeps saying, don't boil it. Make sure that you roast it in the fire. Why? Because fire is always a representation of God's judgment. Yes, Jesus is hanging on the cross because he loves you, okay? Jesus is hanging on that cross because he is taking your judgment for you. He is being judged by God for your sins and for my sins. Secondly, he says that you're to eat it with unleavened bread. Leaven is always a representation of sin. If you continue to read through this chapter, you're going to see him say, you have to purge your whole house of leaven. Make sure that there's none around whatsoever. Why would they do that? Because it's a reminder to us, God has saved us from our sin. Why, why would we want to return to it? Purge it. Get rid of it. You know? For Jesus to be able to say, take, eat, this is my body. is a reminder that he's taking care of our sin for us. Let's talk about that for just a minute. According to Jewish tradition, at a certain point during Passover meal, the father stands up, brings out a bag that has three different compartments in this bag. Each one of those compartments has unleavened bread inside of it. He only removes the center piece. This, this unleavened bread, it has no yeast in it. It doesn't rise. It's not, you know, it's, it's more like a cracker, you could say. To look at it up close, it's, it's pierced. And because it's roasted as well, it's or it's baked, it's, it's striped. It looks like stripes, it looks like bruises when you look at that cake. Father takes that piece of bread 
And he holds it up toward heaven. And he says, blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who bringeth forth bread out of the earth. He would offer that blessing. Remember, the Bible says that Jesus blessed that bread, and then he did what the Father does. He would break that bread in half. Now, he's got two different things he's doing with those two different halves. One piece he's going to break up into small, like, olive-sized pieces so that everybody gets some. The second half, he's going to take it, wrap it up in a linen cloth, and he's going to hide it. He's going to bury it somewhere in the house. Later on, I mean, it's, it's kind of where we get our Easter egg hunt tradition from. The kids are turned loose, and they got to go find this other half. You know what they're doing? They're, they're raising that up, aren't they? You know, what an incredible blessing. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings up bread out of the earth. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing picture that's there with them eating this bread and eating that together. For thousands of years, Jewish dads have had right in the palm of their hand a picture of the Trinity, a picture of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. It's incredible what they have and how Jesus and how God the Father had prepared them for Jesus' coming. All right, let's go back to our text. There are four different directions, or, or three different directions. One of those is, is that, they're to, that, that they're to eat it roasted in fire. They're to eat it with unleavened bread. And then at the end of verse number 8, it says that they're to eat it with bitter herbs. That's how they shall eat it. Those bitter herbs are to remind them. It's a symbol of their bondage in Egypt. It's to remind them of their slavery. Jesus told those Pharisees, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And he said, if the Son makes you free, then you're free indeed. (laughs) They came back and they said, we've never been in bondage to anybody. They skipped out on history class, didn't they? They've been in bondage to a lot of folks. And the Son has indeed made them free. In fact, in that same passage in John chapter 8, Jesus said, if you do not believe that I am He... And by the way, the he's not in there. If you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. You know, if these, if these Jewish families, if they refuse to put the blood on the door, I'm not doing that. That's gross. I'm not doing that. I don't even like lamb. No, we're not, we're not doing that. They're going to die in their sins. Yet Jesus comes along and says, This is my body, which is broken for you, which is buried for you, which is brought back for you. What an incredible picture. Thirdly, this is how they're to eat it. They're to eat it suddenly. They're to eat it symbolically. But thirdly, they are to eat it steadily. It's steadily. Look in verse number 10. Verse number 10, you learn that they're supposed to eat the whole thing. Remember the Alka-Seltzer commercial? I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Well, believe it, because they ate the whole thing. They're not saving any. 
not saving any for leftovers. They're going to leave any on the table so that they can come have a midnight snack. Why? Because tomorrow they're not going to be there. This is, this is about deliverance. This is, about, this is a picture of them being saved. Of them becoming a new person, a new creation in Christ. You're not partially saved. You were totally saved, completely saved, fully saved. It reminds me of a lady that, uh, that was saved several years ago in one of our, um, at Ark in the Park in one of our good news tents. You know, and she, she left the tent and she was just talking to herself. And she said, you know what? I feel like a brand new person. You know why she felt like a brand new person? Because she was a brand new person. All things had passed away. All things have become new. And that's the picture that we have here. It reminds me of the writer of Hebrews saying, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Save to the uttermost. What a great expression. Then number four. They are to eat it swiftly. Or as you see in verse number 11, they're to eat it hastily. With a belt on their waist, with sandals on their feet, With a staff in their hand, they're getting this meal to go. You know, they're ready. They got to be ready. That's this this whole picture is about God's deliverance, and they have to be ready. That's why we said a while ago when when God speaks, that's the time to listen. That's the time to respond. Let, Let me let me say this to you for a second. You don't have to wait until invitation time to do business with God. If God speaks to you during the middle of the service, that's when it's time for you to do business with God. And if you can't do it right there in your seat where you are, then get up and go to the prayer room. When God speaks, that's when it's time for us to act. We need to obey as swiftly and as quickly and as immediately as they did. Before we turn loose of this, I want you to go back up with me real quick to verse number 2. Verse number 2 says, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Anybody want a new start? Anybody want a fresh start, a new day? That's what God's promising for them. When I'm saved, when I give my heart to Jesus... It is a brand new, fresh start. All things have passed away, and all things have now become new. For who? We'll look in verse 3. It begins that verse by saying to Moses, Speak to all the congregation. To who? To everybody. To all of them. Anybody can be saved. And everybody who is saved needs to remember what God's done for them. This time of year, Jews all over the world will eat their Seder supper. They'll go through some of the symbolism, and there's some who who have learned that Jesus is their Messiah. Passover takes on a whole new meaning for them. But Paul said, Christ is our Passover. And we are to celebrate the feast. 
when Jesus gathered with his disciples in the upper room, they gathered there so that they might eat the Passover meal. That they might eat, it's called the Last Supper, right? Because it's the last of the old kind. And it's the first of a new kind. That's why we don't even refer to it anymore as the Last Supper. We call it the Lord's Supper. The same way that it's the Lord's Passover, it's the Lord's Supper. That's how we're going to finish tonight. We do practice open communion, which simply means this. It doesn't mean, it means anybody can have it, you know. I remember, <laughs> I remember as a boy sitting there and, and uh, my dad warned me what the Bible says, you know, don't eat it unworthily. And uh, so what does that mean? That means that I need to be right with the Lord and I need to be right with others. If that's where you are, then you feel free to partake tonight, okay? Let me let you take a moment right there where you are, right there in your own seat. If you want to come to the altar, you can. Just spend some time with the Lord. Is everything right between you and Him? You know, just spend some time praying, okay? And then we'll go forward. Father, we ask you to hear the prayers of your children, that we may be right with you, that we might be right with one another. We receive your supper tonight, recognizing the sacrifice of your son, the sacrifice of his body, and the shedding of his blood. We're reminded tonight of the cost that it cost you because of my sinfulness, my selfishness, my waywardness. Father, bless us tonight with a deeper and greater appreciation for what you have done for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The bag that the Jewish fathers would bring up was called the matzotasso. Tosh, sorry, Matsutosh. He would reach in there into that third middle compartment and bring out that bread. He would hold that bread up and bless it. He would say, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe brings up bread out of the earth and then he would break it one piece is set aside 
that it might be broken. Just as Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you eat it, do this in remembrance of me. We remember the cross. We remember the nails. Remember the thorns. Remember the lashes. Remember the spitting and the hitting. Remember the death. Violent, cruel, and unwarranted. Father would take that second piece, that half, and would wrap it up in a linen napkin. And hide it. Sean, I should have told you this before. I'm going to let you go hide it. Hide it out there in the gathering room somewhere. Bury that for us. Okay? The father would bury it. But before he ever turned anybody loose to go find it, the whole family participated in the supper. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.